All right, I'm going to open with prayer. Please agree with me. Preaching on this is not too easy. We're dealing with some pretty high-level spiritual warfare stuff here. But Lord, we thank you so much. We bless you. And as we come before you, we thank you corporately for the Word of God. We thank you for your presence that's here. We thank you for such an anointing. And Lord, we, um, as we come before you, we commit this time unto you. And I ask you that you would come speak through me. Anoint me and let your word go out in glory, power, strong anointing. Let the Holy Spirit even now move upon every person that's going to be hearing this very strongly. Help us, Lord, to be good soil. It's so important. Let your Holy Spirit move upon our hearts and minds that we're not going to be distracted or hindered. But the Holy Spirit will help us to lock in and give our focus, our best ear, and, and have eyes and ears of the Spirit in good fertile soil. So that the word of God, and I ask you to speak the word through me that is living seeds of truth sown into good soil, that everything will be said that needs to be said. This will be powerful, effective, and fruitful. Let this seed be watered by the Holy Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains till Jesus comes. Let the winds of your spirit carry this out among the nations where it needs to go. And Lord, that your mighty angels watch over it, because the Bible says your word will not return void, but accomplish that which you sent it for it to accomplish. So... We stand on that promise. We submit unto you. And the birds of the air try to steal the seed, but we bind anything of the enemy that right now in Jesus' name that would try to hinder this word from getting where it's supposed to be or accomplishing what it's supposed to be. We bind you in the name of Jesus back off right now. Lord, let your angels clear it out and let this be effective and let everything be accomplished through this time that your will to be done in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, so I'm dealing with something that's... um, really high-level spiritual warfare that comes against revival and comes against the glory of the Lord. And let me just kind of dive into this. Many of you guys know the difference between the anointing and the glory. The anointing is a clothing of power. And somebody can carry an anointing and they can function under anointing. And the anointing will cause your witnessing to be powerful And you can get up and preach under the anointing. And you can lay hands on the sick. They'll be healed, drive out demons, function in the gifts, things like that. But that's just simply functioning in an anointing. Very important. We need the anointing desperately. And more than that, I would say we've got to have a fresh anointing. Because some people's anointing is 20 years old. But we need a fresh anointing for today. So the anointing is vital. But what I'm dealing with more tonight, because the Jezebel spirit, I talked about the queen of heaven last week, that seems to really target the anointing, target the spirit of Elijah, targets the prophetic, targets the gifts, power ministries. But I'm dealing with Leviathan tonight, and that that is a spirit that really targets the glory. And without belaboring the point, we're familiar with the glory. The glory of the Lord is his, his thick, weighty presence. When the glory of the Lord comes upon you, many times there'll be such a weight of the glory. Um, it's hard to move. It's hard to function. And it's that heavy presence. In the Hebrew, it's kavod. And that means like a weightiness about it. And then the shekinah is like the manifestations of the glory where you see like fire and wind and more of an outward but that's the shekinah and also the shekinah many times has been described as like god's abiding presence but anyway the glory is altogether different than the anointing the glory is where god deposits his manifest presence but where the presence of the lord is the lord will not place his glory And allow his glory to remain if things are not going to be right. So somebody can have an anointing and they can come into a place and they can minister and it'll be powerful because they're anointed. But when they leave, that leaves with them. And a lot of times, a lot of places, there's no glory that resides there because things are not right. You have to make sure your house is in order and that the sin has been dealt with, and you have to welcome the glory, and you really got to press into God. But his glory will come if we seek him, and his glory will remain. But you've got to keep things right for the glory to remain. If you allow sin in the camp, the glory will depart. 
And a lot of times when the glory departs, a very wicked type of spirit will try to move in and take the place of that. Also, where things have been really dedicated to God, and it's a holy place and the glory dwells, you have to be careful how you are in that glory because if you're doing things that are sinful, that glory can turn against you and begin to work against you. Are you hearing me? And many times the glory, as much of a wonderful blessing as it is, where the glory of the Lord is, many times there's an increase of healings and protection and prosperity, etc. But if people come into the glory and continue to, to sin and do wrong and they don't repent, the glory can also bring judgment. So the glory is an awesome thing. We need the glory. So Leviathan targets the glory. And let me just kind of quickly recap on last week. And then, you know, I'll, I'll take off in this sermon as kind of dovetailing from that. But I need to recap for just a moment. So the, the principal spirit, the strong man, if you will, has to do with Baal. And Baal is a powerful spirit in Freemasonry. And that's something that's very territorial here. And the Baal spirit um, has a lot to do with things like the occult and sexual immorality. And it, it is very involved, again, in things like Freemasonry, etc. And it has a lot to do with hindrances. Um, to, to the flow of wealth and it tries to confine and come against people but there's like a triangle now I want you to really follow me give me your best ear because I don't want to lose you but there's like the Bible talks about a threefold cord and so Baal there's like this triangle and Baal works with two other principal spirits and one, one of them is I would say the queen of heaven which is none other than Jezebel so that's very strong, like in Roman Catholicism, where there's a lot of idolatry and pagan stuff. But the Queen of Heaven, as a matter of fact, there's, there's several um, Roman Catholic churches that would be called something like the Queen of Heaven. So the Queen of Heaven, this Jezebel spirit, it has a threefold cord. So Jezebel functions with spirits of Ahab and Python, and it forms like this, this triangle there. So Jezebel, Ahab, and Python. Python is the aspect that brings counterfeit revelation. So there's Baal, then the queen of heaven, then the other is Leviathan, which I'm going to deal with tonight. But again, you have a threefold cord. So Baal is a threefold cord. Then you have uh, Jezebel is a threefold cord. But now you have Leviathan. And Leviathan functions with a spirit of Python, just like Jezebel does. Python and also heaviness. And so Leviathan comes to bring death and destruction. And I would say Leviathan is a great destroyer. But Python comes... In the way of counterfeit revelation. And Python will squeeze the life out of people, out of their families, now their church, if it can. It suffocates. And Python is very strongly connected with the spirit of death. But heaviness, heaviness has to do, if you looked at, I looked this up one time in the Hebrew where it talked about spirit of heaviness. And it can be translated as spirit of infirmity. And what heaviness does, it comes in and it begins to oppress. A spirit of heaviness will oppress to where people get depressed and discouraged and maybe suicidal. But it also has a very strong aspect of infirmity connected to it. And so when Leviathan comes in, what I'm trying to get people to think about is this. When Baal comes in, Baal doesn't just come alone. He brings Jezebel and he brings Leviathan. But Jezebel and Leviathan don't come by themselves either. Jezebel brings in Ahab and brings in Python. Leviathan also, when he comes, he brings in Python and heaviness. So Leviathan comes to lock things up. 
And just like tonight, see, I'm preaching against this. What do you think is trying to resist this? What do you think that's trying to make it difficult to concentrate or difficult to worship tonight if you had difficulty? What do you think it is? It's Leviathan. Leviathan wants to try to resist. And see, Leviathan wants to attack health, finances, and relationships. Those three things. And I remember years ago as I was praying and fasting and really seeking the Lord, the Lord showed me a medical insignia and spoke to me Leviathan because of something I was coming up against. And it was in answer to my prayer that he revealed this to me. You would be surprised at all the places that Baal has strongholds. Why do you think that Washington, D.C. has so much architecture that was built by Freemasons and even the Washington Monument is a phallic symbol? Hello? Look this up for yourself because I know that there's people that won't believe me till they look it up and when they look it up and they find out that what I'm saying is true, then they'll know for themselves that the Statue of Liberty was made by Freemasons and it's not what you think it is. Look it up for yourself. Baal has strong tentacles down into our politics and in Washington in many ways. But Baal has tentacles in many places. Baal, functioning especially through Jezebel, has a very strong influence in the entertainment industry. Would anybody argue with that? Baal has worked its way into our educational system. But Baal has always been strongly in the medical system as well. Always. It shocked me when I began to look into it and see that medical doctors, look it up for yourself, that the Hippocratic Oath is swearing allegiance to Greek demon gods by name. And if you don't believe me, look it up. It shocked me to see the medical insignia itself goes back to Greek mythology about a particular demon god that was supposed to bring healing through his staff, and that's what that is. But anyway, when God showed me the medical insignia years ago, and there were two serpents around it, he spoke to me Leviathan, and he was making a point to me personally because I was praying about something, and he was showing me how Leviathan tries to attack two serpents, health, and finances and how many of you guys know many times whenever your health's attack it tries to also attack your finances at the same time and leviathan is a very serious spiritual warfare so is jezebel don't take these things lightly they are serious but leviathan has a lot to do with pride and if we will humble ourselves down to the ground and let God get all that pride out of us because I believe that every single human being has pride in them because it goes back to the fall. See, when Adam and Eve sinned, they, there was the lust of the flesh, there was the lust of the eyes, but there was the pride of life. See, Satan told Eve, you can be like God, that's pride. And she ate that fruit wanting to be like God. And that brought pride into the human race and into our very DNA so to speak, um, that we, we inherit from Adam and Eve, I believe there's a tendency to have pride there. But God knows how to get all that out of us, doesn't he? And once we get filled with the Holy Spirit and God allows us to go through a lot of stuff in life, all that pride will get broken down and out of us, but the Holy Spirit will fill us with humility. And I was just thinking about this last week, and I'm going to read some of these scriptures and just kind of go through Leviathan here in a moment. But here's a good example of what I'm talking about with Leviathan. This is a really good example that I believe will really help you. Leviathan's primary goal is to be the accuser of the brethren. And so Lucifer himself, the Bible shows us in the book of Job that he goes before God accusing us. So Satan is always going before God saying, look at them, look at what they've done. He's always trying to find some kind of a legal route to where he can go before God like in a courtroom and accuse us and then try to set up some kind of an attack to bring destruction. 
And when he can, who do you think he's going to send to be the destroyer? Leviathan. But Leviathan functions very powerfully as an accuser. Leviathan will whisper into people's minds against God. Leviathan is the very one. Now understand when I say Leviathan, he's not alone. Over him is Baal. And working alongside him is Jezebel and all of what I've already mentioned, okay? But Leviathan will do everything he can to lock up finances and lock up miracles and healings and breakthroughs that you desperately need. Leviathan will do everything he can to hinder that. And then he'll be working on your mind at the same time saying, if God really loved you, he would be answering your prayers. What's he doing? He's accusing God in your mind to try to turn you against God and get you offended with God. Hear what I'm saying. There's many people that will fall away from the faith and end up in hell because of Leviathan doing that very thing to them. I had a relative who's gone, you know, he passed away. But the reason he turned against God was because his mother died of cancer when he was a boy. And she was a Christian, and, you know, she didn't get her healing or whatever, so he turned against God. I have no reason to believe right now that he's in heaven. I hope that maybe on his deathbed he got things right, but I have no reason to believe that. He lived his life like he had a chip on his shoulder against God. That's Leviathan. And I'm not saying this disrespectfully about him, but he was also a very arrogant man. And that's Leviathan. Leviathan will also sweep in and cause widespread mass destruction in churches if it's not stopped by causing church splits. Leviathan begins to slither up to people and whisper in their minds all kinds of negative, accusing things against the pastor, against leaders. Um, against each other and next thing you know people get lifted up with pride they rebel and they get divisive and leviathan will cause people to find others that have a familiar spirit about them and they'll get in little groups and they start running down other christians other leaders or whatever and it's like that thing is feeding on itself with these people just back and forth back and forth and if it continues in churches, it will bring destruction. And what you've got to understand is, is that when Leviathan sweeps its tail through a church like that and causes splits, it's not just a matter of losing people and losing finances that the church needs, but it's also a matter of somehow in the spirit realm, there's a wound in that church that God's got to heal. And many times, it's like, spiritually speaking, it rips open some kind of a doorway where other spiritual beings are trying to traffic in that church to follow behind that and cause people to get bitter, to try to oppress the atmosphere. Leviathan is a master. And let me tell you, heaviness will plop down over a church, and it will be very difficult to praise and worship. A spirit of heaviness comes in. It is a strong oppressive heavy thing but the bible says god will give us a garment of praise for the spirit so what happens is if people if intercessors will really be led by the spirit they can come behind an attack like that and they can be a source through their prayers of healing and they can help through their praise and worship and their prayer and intercession to pierce through that heaviness and part the skies again and see god come back in that place and heal and restore but this is a very high-level attack. And you have to discern it. And let me tell you, when I'd met with um, somebody who's a spiritual father to my wife and I, and he was telling me he's a true man of God and he's, he's extremely accurate prophetically. And so how many knows when you know people like that, they don't always tell you what you want to hear because they tell you the truth. And he said, I know, this is what he told me. He said, I know you're not looking for a fight, and I'm not. But he said, brother, he said, get ready for some spiritual warfare. And he began to tell me different things. But one of the things he told me, he told my wife and I, he said, it's important that you discern this. He said, the enemy is going to try to bring like an agitation in the atmosphere. 
And that agitation tries to come in and it tries to cause people to get irritated with one another. He said you need to discern it and you need to stand together and resist it. And, and that, that spirit, whatever that is, I believe it's Leviathan, has tried to come multiple times since he told us about it. But we, we discern it and we resist it. And it goes away. But see, that is a Leviathan thing right there. It comes in and it creates an atmosphere where it's easy to fight. And it's trying to get people upset with each other and, and fighting with one another because whenever you're like that, you're not going to be useful for the Lord. You've got to be unified. And there, I believe that there's something about a husband and wife that God, and just hear me real quick, that God created Adam and then he created Eve as an helpmate and then he put them to have dominion on the earth. So follow my line of thinking here. I believe that God, when he created man, and then he created a wife as a helpmate, that there's something about that that goes all the way back to creation, that husbands and wives should have a very high level of authority and dominion in the earth, together, unified. And I'm telling you, when my wife and I come together and we really pray, it seems like there's a very high level of dominion that is stronger than when I pray with other people. There's just something about it. It's a principle in the word. But Derek Prince brought out some of this, and he was saying that in the book of, uh, I can't remember where he was saying it. I think it's Romans, but I may be wrong. But anyway, there's a scripture that was saying where two of you agree on earth. And he was saying there, that the word about coming into agreement is the Greek word. And, and Derek was fluent in Greek, by the way. He said the Greek word there is symphono, where we get the word symphony from. And he said it's where if you play a keyboard or you're musically inclined, you'll know what I'm talking about. You take one note and then you hit another note and it's a harmony and it makes a beautiful sound. That's what he was saying. When you come together in true unity... It's like a symphony. It's like a sound comes that's really beautiful and powerful. But if you were to take one note and then hit something that's way off and hit another note, it's discorded and it sounds horrible. That's disunity. And Derek said there's something about people really harmonizing together in prayer, but he said it's difficult to maintain that because the enemy does everything he can to try to stop that. Leviathan is the master at dividing relationships. It is the destroyer. Hear what I'm saying tonight because I'm dealing with a strong man. Jesus said you must bind the strong man first before you plunder his goods. So we've got to deal with the strong man. People are frustrated because they've prayed about areas of their health or their finances or whatever. And it seems like it's been locked up and they've prayed and fasted and they're frustrated. But let me tell you that you probably haven't dealt with the strong man yet. And the strong man very well is probably Leviathan. It's difficult to discern sometimes these spirits like Leviathan. But Leviathan, will it's a powerful force that will really try to lock up your health. It will try to lock up finances. And it will really hinder relationships if you don't discern it. And this is what I wanted to get to before I read these scriptures. You know, this week, and this is public knowledge, it's on all the Christian news and everywhere, so this isn't anything speculative or gossip or anything like that. But I'm sharing this because it's very important in what I'm preaching on. Here recently, there's been some allegations come up, and many of you probably know about Todd Bentley and some things that have happened in his ministry. When I heard about that, let me just tell you what happened to me. I felt compassion. And I sincerely, before the Lord, he knows, I sincerely spent some time praying for him and his family. I really did. But you know what people that are under the influence of Leviathan do? They get angry, self-righteous. They begin to spread all types of gossip. They begin to attack and want to destroy him, his ministry, his family. 
See, I'm going to spend some time explaining this because I, and this may convict some people, even some people that follow my ministry. Because there's a lot of people that listen to this that don't go to River of Life. I want to ask you to think about something. When you hear about stuff like that, what is in you? Because see, pride is an iniquity in people. What is in you? See, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So whenever you hear about stuff like that, what stirs up inside you? The accuser? Hear what I'm saying? Because I've seen people now that they're, they're just blasting stuff on the internet, just blasting him and his ministry and family, etc. And you can tell just reading it, there's no love, there's no compassion, there's no heart to see him restored, there's no concern about his family. All you hear, it's just like this hateful thing to tear down and destroy. What I'm trying to expose to you is, and I say this in love, but somebody that is like that, you are so full of pride from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet that you don't even realize how arrogant you really are. And Leviathan has wrapped you up from head to toe and has filled you with his poison. And all that you're doing is you're serving Leviathan's purposes. You are not being used of God at all. The only person that's using you is the devil, specifically Leviathan, to try to accuse and destroy. And I was grieved at even people that I know, acquaintances, and how they are about stuff like this. You know, down through the years, I've seen people that they have these so-called ministries but their ministry is to criticize and destroy everybody they don't agree with. You understand what I'm saying? Y'all have seen them. It's like their eyes have been anointed by the devil with some kind of a critical demonic lens over them that they cannot see except through great cynicism and criticism and unrighteous judgment about everything. When they look at another ministry, it's like they're trying their best to find fault in a way that they can accuse them and tear them down. And that's what their whole ministry is. And let me tell you, I say this in love, I'm trying to help people, but that is not a ministry that's of God. Your so-called ministry was not born in heaven. It was birthed in the bellies of hell somewhere. It was schemed by territorial spirits over this nation that could find little puppets like you. That they, you're very useful to the devil because you are used on the internet and you've got influence that are tearing down and destroying God's people. And these people cause so much of a false accusations against revival that it has swayed people that could have went and received but they were swayed away because of their of those people's criticism others maybe have had they've developed such a cynical view of ministers and churches that they don't even trust people anymore because of those type of ministries constantly trying to focus on something negative they have done, through the satanic mantle from Leviathan that wraps them up, they have done widespread damage to the body. And I would hate to be in their shoes on Judgment Day because they're going to have a lot to give an account for. They are Leviathan's little puppets. But see, Jesus, the Bible says about Jesus that he ever lives to make intercession. He's the great intercessor. Who's the great accuser of the brethren? Satan. Who's the great intercessor? Jesus. So an intercessor is not going before God trying to accuse and tear down and destroy, is he? An intercessor is doing like Abraham did for Sodom, saying, God, if you can just find ten righteous spirit, Lord. An intercessor is like Moses after the golden calf, 
saying, Lord, I know they sinned, but have mercy. Don't wipe them all out. Forgive them, Lord. That's an intercessor. An intercessor is somebody that has compassion and mercy about them. Jesus is the great intercessor, but if you want to have the heart of the Lord, your heart's not going to be full of pride and criticism and judging. You know, when I read the fruit of the Spirit, I don't see love, joy. Here we go. Criticism, hate, destruction, you know, cynicism, and wanting to divide God's people. Those are fruits right there I just described that are demonic, not of the Holy Spirit. And I've known people down through the years and I'm thoroughly convinced that the reason why they never got their breakthrough in life and in certain things is because Leviathan is, is a strong man in their life they've never really dealt with. So let me read a few scriptures about Leviathan and then we'll close this out. All of us have had battles with pride and, every, and a lot of other things. But it's how we respond. Are we going to humble ourselves and let God take it all out of us? That's the question. In Psalm 74, 13, it says this. It's talking about the Lord. It says, Lord, you divide the sea by your strength. You broke the heads of the sea monsters in the water. You crushed the heads of Leviathan. Remember, Leviathan has multiple heads. You gave him as food for the creatures of the wilderness. You broke open springs and torrents and dried up ever-flowing streams. So God himself, I want you to notice that the psalmist here said that the Lord, he said, you destroyed the heads of Leviathan. This is something God's going to have to do. In Isaiah 27 verse 1, in that day, the Lord will punish Leviathan. Who? the Lord what is our responsibility see these very high level beings like Baal and Jezebel and Leviathan it's not a matter of trying to point up to the sky and take authority over ancient powerful ruling forces like this what you need what you and I both need to do is that God purge out of us anything that would give them a place in us and that's what Jesus said Satan is coming the prince of this world comes, but he has nothing in me. That's how we overcome Leviathan, is that Leviathan has nothing in us anymore. And let me tell you, iniquity, whether it be pride or other things, iniquity is very generational. It cycles down bloodlines. And that's why Leviathan is also very, very generational. So Isaiah 27, in that day, the Lord will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, with his fierce, great, and mighty sword. Even Leviathan, the twisted serpent, and he will kill the monster who lives in the sea. So I want you to notice twisting there. There's been so many times down through the years. If somebody's asked me, Pastor Scott, what's some of the greatest frustrations in the ministry? Well, here's one right here. Being misunderstood. You know how many times I've said something and somebody said, you said this, I did not say that, but they're convinced that I did. Misunderstandings. Things get twisted. I've had people tell me, you preach this, and it's like, no, I know I didn't. <laughs> I prayed with somebody in the altar, you told me this, and I know I didn't, I did not. But they're convinced. Misunderstand. Leviathan is a master at things you say being twisted in the spirit realm somehow and by the time it gets in the next person's ear they hear something totally different than what you said but that's leviathan let's talk about lucifer's nature and then i'm gonna close this thing out now <clears throat> excuse me lucifer was the anointed cherub who covers He's of that class of angels that is called the cherubim. But in Hebrew, it's cherub, cherubim. But Lucifer's nature became pride, rebellion, and slander. And I'm going to show you that. So Ezekiel 28, verse 11. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, 
Thus says the Lord God. Now he's talking here about Lucifer. This is like a. It's it, the Lord would use this in among the prophets, where he was using something in the natural to it, reveal something in the spiritual. So the prophet Ezekiel is using a natural king, but it's actually talking about Lucifer here. Okay, so. The Lord says this, you have the seal of perfection. So Lucifer was created perfect, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the ruby, tobaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, etc., etc. And the gold, the workmanship of your settings and sockets, that's tabrets and pipes, Actually, the tabrets um, have to do with like rhythms and drums, rhythms. The pipes have to do with like um, chords, like a keyboard or whatever. So many people believe that Lucifer led worship. He probably did. But he said, your tabrets and pipes were in you. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were the anointed cherub who covers. Probably, just knowing, studying all the word of God concerning him, probably the cherubim were those ones that you read about in the Bible. In Revelation, the four living creatures, they had four different faces. Remember these beings? And even in the ark, there's two of them on the ark of the covenant. They were inside the tabernacle. The cherubim seem to be around the throne of God and possibly when you read in Ezekiel about like this moving throne of God, possibly they would interlock somehow and create like a throne that God would sit upon and Lucifer apparently at one time, kind of like a high back chair, Lucifer was the anointed, the anointed cherub who covered. So somehow he stood that close to God, mind you behind and up over and would lead worship to him and the lord said you were the anointed carib who covers and i placed you there you were on the holy mountain of god there's a mountain in heaven where you ascend up to where god's throne is you walked among the fiery stones that would have been right there where God's throne is, around the throne would have been the fiery stones. God was saying that you were right next to me. You were blameless in all your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. I don't have time to belabor what iniquity is, but it's different than just sin. It's a bent, crooked, perverse thing within somebody that causes them to keep stumbling over the same sin over and over and over or to be drawn away the iniquity in them will draw them towards certain things. That has, it's one thing to be forgiven of sin. It's another thing to be, have iniquity pulled out of who you are where you're no longer that person anymore. But Lucifer began to be filled with iniquity inside him. What was his iniquity? It says here in a moment he was lifted up with pride. That was his iniquity. But it says you were blameless until iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence and you sinned. So let me stop there for a moment and explain something. The Bible says in the book of Leviticus, you can look up the scripture reference because I don't have it there. But it said you're, you're not to go about among my people as a talebearer, which is a gossip. What a talebearer is, it's somebody that goes from place to place. Did you hear this about so-and-so? Did you hear this? That's a gossip, a talebearer. And what's interesting is, is that the, the Hebrew word here for trade, by the abundance of your trade, that comes from the same exact root word as being a gossip, a talebearer. So here's what was happening in heaven. Lucifer got lifted up with pride. I don't have time to go to Isaiah about the I wills and go really in depth with this because it's not what this sermon's about. But Lucifer got lifted up with pride and began to say to himself, I'm going to be like the Most High. In other words, I'm going to dethrone him and I'm going to be God. And he began to go through heaven 
amongst the other angels, cherubim, other classes of angels, and he began to slander God and try to turn them against God by accusing God to them. By the abundance of his trade or his tail-bearing. And the Bible says that a third of them were swayed by Lucifer and they rebelled with him and therefore God had to throw them out of heaven to the earth. And so it goes on, Therefore I have cast you as profane from the mountain of God. So Lucifer, who was once right there at the throne, the anointed cherub who covered and who probably led worship and walked among the very fiery stones, was lifted up with pride and led a rebellion against God. So God had to grab him and all of the other third and had to throw them from the mountain of God. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the heavens to the earth. Remember that? Therefore I cast you as profane from the mountain of God, and I have destroyed you, O covering cherub. From the midst of the stones of fire, your heart was lifted up with pride because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that they may see you. I believe that was other ruling angels that he was cast down before their eyes and humiliated. Therefore, I brought fire out from the midst of you and it consumed you and I've turned you into the ashes on the earth in the eyes of all who see you, etc., etc., so what was it that Satan did? Satan got lifted up with pride. He rebelled and he slandered. He slandered God and he led a rebellion. How many of you guys have been saved long enough that you've seen people in church that got lifted up with pride and they rebelled against leaders? And what did they do? They began to slander the leadership and slander others and they began to get a little group, a little following that they left and that following went with them. Do you see that that is 100% the tactic that Satan himself even used in heaven amongst the angels? And how does Satan carry it out? His right-hand man, if you will, to carry out that attack is Leviathan. Because Leviathan is the spirit of pride. And see, pride causes people to become very deceived. Pride causes people to get, get like a hardened heart. They won't listen. Somebody goes to them and says, hey man, what you're doing is not right. And they don't want to hear it. Why? Pride. And so let me read one more scripture here in Job 41 when it talks about Leviathan. Now, I remember talking to an older gentleman who's been in the ministry a long time. And I was telling him just in conversation it came up because he brought it up about, you know, people that have over the years have left and caused problems in churches, etc., etc. And I, I just made the passing comment. I said, it's interesting to me that even though time passes, that almost none of them ever come back and say, hey, I was wrong, I'm sorry. And they want to make things right. I just made it passing comment. And he kind of leaned over the table and was like, well, you know, you understand why. Because he said there's an element of pride in what they did. And that pride in them, they'll never come back and apologize. They'll never humble themselves. See, pride leads to rebellion. So Job 41 can you draw out Leviathan with a fish hook? So God's using this creature. It makes me wonder because the Lord speaks of it in the Bible so clearly here. It makes me wonder if there wasn't something in the natural at one time that's extinct or something. Because it talks to Job here like he should know what this thing is, you know. But, it, you know, God used this Leviathan creature to describe um, an aspect of Satan in his kingdom. But listen to what God says. Now, this is like a, a huge sea monster with multiple heads. It would be like a giant serpent, if you will. He says, Can you draw out Leviathan with a fish hook or press down his tongue with a cord? 
Can you put a rope around his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he make many supplications to you? <laughs> or will he speak um, soft words to you? In other words, are you going to catch Leviathan like you do another fish and make him subject to you? I don't think so. Will he make a covenant with you? Will you take him for a servant forever? Will you play with him like a bird? Or will you bind him for your maidens? Will the traders bargain over him? Will they divide him among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with harpoons? Or his head with fishing spears? The Lord basically says, no, if you lay a hand on him, you will remember the battle and not do it again. Behold, your expectation is false. Now, God's speaking to Job, and I believe the reason why God allowed Job to go through what he went through was to purge out any remaining pride in Job. And it's interesting that Job is probably the one book of the Bible that helps us understand Leviathan the most. Because Job went through so much humiliation and brokenness. But on the end of it, God restored him double. So could it be that God saw that there was still some pride in Job and so God allowed Satan to attack him and it broke any remaining pride that was there? But anyway, in verse 10, it says, No one is so fierce that he dares to arouse Leviathan. Who then is he that can stand before me? Who has given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. Now, this is God speaking to Job. I will not keep silent concerning his limbs or his mighty strength or his orderly frame. Who can strip off his outer armor and who can come within his double mail? So Leviathan scales, look at this, who can open the doors of his face around his teeth? There is terror and it says his, it's his strong scales or his pride shut up tight as a seal. When Leviathan comes in and it attacks somebody, that iniquity in them, that pride within them is what it's tapping into. And Leviathan, it's like the scales of Leviathan are so close together that no air can get through them. In other words, when Leviathan is attacking a person, they can barely feel God's presence at all. They can be in a service where God is really moving, but they themselves can't hardly feel the presence of the Lord. When Leviathan's really attacking a person, it makes it very difficult to worship and very difficult to pray. One, it talks about these scales are so near to each other, no air can come between them. They are joined one to another. They clasp each other and cannot be separated. And then look at this. His sneezes flash forth light, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth goes burning torches, sparks of fire leap forth. This is almost like the, the dragon, the fire that's coming out of the mouth. But let me say this. You notice how Leviathan partners with what? Python. You're dealing also, also with an element here of counterfeit revelation. So Leviathan will function with the Python spirit, and Python will bring false um, gifts of the spirit. It's like a false unction of the anointing, etc. But it's something that's counterfeit here. You have to discern it. And I'm going to tell you, I've, I've run into Python a couple times now. And people that carry a python spirit, they, they really believe that they're walking in the Holy Spirit. And they really, truly believe that you need to listen to their so-called prophecies. And they need to be praying for everybody. See, there's an element of deception in this. You've got to discern what spirit is at work. Out of his nostrils, smoke goes forth from a boiling pot, burning rushes. His breath kindles coals, and a flame goes forth from his mouth. And his neck lodges strength, and dismay leaps before him. The folds of his flesh are joined together, firm on him and immovable. His heart is his hardest stone. See, when somebody really gets proud, their hearts get very hard. There was a, a pastor one time that was talking about a man 
that had gotten into an adulterous affair. And his wife was a Christian, went to his church, and his wife was pleading with him, but that man had made up his mind. And when he was leaving, his little children were grabbing his ankles and hanging on and crying, Daddy, don't go. And he just kind of kicked them off, and he went off with his mistress. And the pastor that saw this was kind of crying, saying, how could... How could he get to this place? But it was, he was so full of pride that his heart, his heart got so hard toward his own family, toward his own little kids. When he raises himself up, the mighty fear because of the crashings, or crashing there, be, bewildered. The sword that reaches him cannot avail, nor the spear, the dart, the javelin. He regards iron as straw, bronze, etc. It goes about describing here how it's hard to take him down. But at the very end, if you look at the bottom of this, he looks on everything that is high. He is the king over all the sons of pride. See, I read to you at the beginning of this, it's the Lord that has to take down Leviathan. It's the Lord that really has to take down these powerful, strong men of Baal and Jezebel and Leviathan. The Lord has to do it, but we have to let God purge out of us anything that is there. That he has nothing in us. See, Baal many times is associated with things in your ancestry like Freemasonry or other religions or witchcraft or whatever it is where there was these other altars. And Baal has tentacles down through bloodlines and in people because of that. But once you really truly pray all of that through, Baal, his power is broken. Jezebel, once you get that out, any ungodly control, any manipulation any areas of false revelation, whatever it is that's Jezebelish, once you really let God purge it out, and Jezebel has a lot to do with idols, sexual immorality, and bloodshed, all of that is associated. But once you get all that purged out, and you're forgiven, and it's removed, there's nothing in you anymore, Jezebel's power is broken. Same with Leviathan, once all the pride is purged out. So let me close with these last couple closing thoughts and we're going to pray. Just like tonight, I'm up here preaching because of the anointing. The Lord's given me grace. But there's something that's trying to cause you to feel sleepy and out of it and not receptive. Why? Leviathan wants you to miss everything I'm saying. See, Leviathan functions in the area of the mind and the emotions. I've seen people down through the years that have been very, um, they were in revival, and God really touched their life. But something, Leviathan and Python, down through the years, something began to slither up next to them and whisper in their minds. See, let me give you a hint about something. What is it that even people that have been touched so mightily in the past revivals, that now they feel so comfortable in spiritually dead places but yet those places are real big and fancy and there's a lot of money there's a lot of um, exciting things what is it that makes them feel so comfortable but yet they will feel very uncomfortable around moves of God now where their sin is convicted what is it that's manipulating them like that it's the pride within them but it's Leviathan and Python Something is whispering in their minds to go this direction. If you don't stay close to the Lord Jesus in prayer, develop a strong prayer life, maintain a disciplined, strong prayer life, keep your inner senses discerning and sharp, your inner man built up, don't think that Leviathan and Python can't trick you into thinking that the Lord is telling you something and it's not the Lord. But here's how Leviathan attacks. Ask yourself these questions. Have you had difficulty praying? Have you felt a resistance? And also a great resistance to answer prayers. Things that really should be happening. And you're wondering, why is this so hindered? Leviathan is a major attack against health and finances. Leviathan causes strife and division. A strong agitation in the atmosphere. 
It has a lot to do with counterfeit revelation, Python. Just like Jezebel works with Python, Leviathan works with Python. Jezebel is more about fear and controlling, but Leviathan is more about pride and rebelling. Even though Jezebel has rebellion too. They just work together very closely. Heaviness and infirmity, chronic things. Python trying to squeeze the life out infirmity chronic health battles and strong depression have you battled strong depression that's probably a spirit of heaviness that goes back to leviathan leviathan is the accuser of the brethren and whenever you go to deal with leviathan let me warn you that leviathan has all these different heads remember that so here you are now trying to pray about it and Leviathan will begin to throw up things to distract you. It will throw up all of a sudden strong lusts and you're thinking, where did that come from? And then it'll throw up over here doubt, fear, and unbelief. And then it'll throw up accusing thoughts and pretty soon trying to get you with hurt feelings toward God. You can't pray when you're hurt with God. All of a sudden, thoughts, discouragement, and depression, and suicidal thoughts. Difficult situations, it will begin to swirl and try to cause difficult situations with people at work, or with your neighbors, or relatives, where it's so distracting. Because here you are praying about Leviathan, Leviathan says, no, we can't have that, and he'll begin to stir up all these issues around you to distract you. It's the multiple heads of Leviathan. You deal with this one, and you've got your, your hand around this head, and you're hitting this head, and all of a sudden, three more pop up over here. Somebody's mad at you over here. All of a sudden, these weird thoughts, these weird feelings come up. This happens. It's trying to distract you. But the only true way to be free from these high-ranking forces is that we get everything under the blood and we repent and let God sanctify you throughout your whole spirit, soul, and body. The more that pride is purged out of you, the freer you will be in your worship, the freer you will be in your prayer life, the freer you will be to be a witness, and Leviathan's stranglehold will break off you. But it's all about, and let me say it again, because I've said this already in this sermon, I believe every Christian deals with pride. Now some people hear this and think, man, I feel like, and they feel bad because I can see all this pride in me. Friend, you're not alone. There's not one Christian that doesn't have pride. The question is, are you going to let God purge it out of you or are you just going to keep on like you are? I'll never forget, I heard a pastor, his church saw one of the greatest revivals lasted for years my life was totally transformed at this revival and he said this and it really shocked me and it was years ago but i still remember it he said you know he said when you're dealing with leviathan and you're dealing with pride he said i saw some people in that revival that they were there in the revival for years and he said once that revival was over with he said that pride emerged back up out of them and he said they hadn't changed a bit how can you sit through years of revival and not change a bit pride leviathan puts people i try to preach on it but i know what i'm dealing with it's trying to put people asleep it's trying to make their minds wonder it, and it's trying to make sure that you don't get this and let me just warn you what Leviathan will do when you leave, it'll make sure that you forget about this sermon and don't pray about it anymore too. Don't let him do that to you. Tonight I want us to pray, but here's, here's what I want to close with right here. Examine yourself. Ask yourself these questions. This is not an exhaustive list. This is just a couple things. But pride is a whole sermon in and of itself. So pride is something that's far-reaching. It's widespread. It covers a huge amount of territory. There's no way that I could cover pride in five minutes. But I just put down a few things to make you think. If you deal with pride, 
here's some things that might be in your life. Are you easily offended? Are you too sensitive? And do you have a hard time taking constructive criticism? We've all probably been there at some point. Especially if you've been through a lot of hurt and pain in life. But you can't let the scales of pride help you overcome the hurt. You've got to let the Holy Spirit heal you. Because once you've gone through a lot of hurt, if you let pride harden you, that's the scales of pride protecting your heart from being hurt again. If you let that go on, then you're going to be easily offended. You're going to be too sensitive. You're not going to be able to take constructive criticism. And to be quite honest with you, you're probably not really going to be a person that changes areas that need to be changed. Because every time God wants to change something and he sends somebody to you, you're going to get offended with them. I don't want to hear it. And you're going to walk off. That's the scales of pride that you're trying to protect your heart from being hurt again. You've got to let the Lord just come in and heal you. The second thing is a tendency to hold grudges. I've seen this even in family bloodlines. See, pride is an iniquity that cycles down the bloodline from parent to child. In the same way, Leviathan cycles down a family bloodline. And that's why you can even see, I want you to think about this. Do you see these tendencies in your family? Not just you, but do you see it in other people in your family? Do you have a tendency to hold grudges? You don't let things go. You bottle it all up. And you allow yourself to get unforgiving. And it ends up leading to becoming a bitter person. We've all probably been there. But are we going to let God deal with it? See, unforgiveness, if you don't forgive people quickly and you keep holding that grudge, over time it will become a defiled, bitter root down inside of who you are. And now bitterness is a strong iniquity drive in you. And if you, it, once you become bitter, you've got a fight on your hands to get that back out of you. And it leads to a lot of sicknesses and a lot of relational problems. Number three, are you impatient with people and too quick to get angry? That's pride. How are you at work? How are you driving down the road? How are you with people? Are you too impatient and too quick to be angry? That's pride. Do you deal with being frustrated with God? That's pride, big time. Because God is perfect and holy. His ways are pure. His thoughts are higher. His ways are higher. He's God Almighty. We don't need to be trying to judge Him or getting frustrated with Him. The next one is, do you feel better than other people? That's what a lot of these critics I was talking about earlier. This is them. They have no problem, no qualms, no conviction. The scales of pride are so over their heart that they have absolutely no conviction of the Holy Spirit in them to be destroying other Christians and preachers and ministries they don't like. How can somebody's heart get that hard where the Holy Spirit can't even convict them anymore about it? They should be wrestling when they're going to sleep at night wrestling with the Holy Spirit convicting them and them thinking, man, I, don't, I need to quit doing this. But they're so hard because of pride, they just keep doing it. No problems. Do you feel better than other people? Are you somebody that's unrighteously judgmental and critical of others? The next one is, do you have a difficulty honoring authority and submitting to authority? That's pride. I've seen people like that. You know, when you're in school, you don't call a teacher by their first name. In the same way in church, you, you, you know, authority figures, you know, it's brother so-and-so, pastor, sister so-and-so. You're showing honor and respect. But there's some people out there that they just can't do that. 
They're just very proud people. And in the same way, um, just any area of honoring another person or being submitted. You know, I've always said this, and it's true. You don't know somebody is rebellious until you tell them no. As long as you're telling them what they want to hear, can I do this? Yeah, can I do this? Sure. Once, once they say, can I do this? And you say, absolutely not. That's when everybody's going to know if they're rebellious or not. And finally, be careful about false humility. False humility is acting humble. Maybe real insecure or timid or, you know, real apologetic or maybe dressing down or carrying yourself in such a way to act real humble. Some people know how to act humble really good. But they are totally full of pride. Boy, I tell you guys, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me that this is a strong man in this region. Are y'all hearing me? I felt the Lord tell me this is a strong man we're coming up against. You know why? A lot of times people are drawn. Hear me because my heart is right about this. You know why a lot of times people are drawn away toward charismatic personalities and smoke and lights and crowds and big fancy things and, and all these different events? You know why they're drawn away? Pride that's in them. They want, I remember this one time. I'm going I'm to close with this story. And we're going to pray. But I remember one time my wife and I knew this guy and... Uh, he would go to conference after conference after conference. And don't get me wrong, I'm not against conferences. As a matter of fact, I'm going to one next week. But he would go to them all the time. But yet, he always was so critical and negative of any local church. Did y'all just hear what I said? What's going on there? Spiritual pride. He wanted to be able to say, you know, I'm, I'm a part of this big fancy thing over here. But he couldn't humble himself to a local church and being under a local pastor. He was full of spiritual pride. And consequently, Leviathan really attacked this individual, and it was very sad. You've got to make sure that you deal with spiritual pride in you. How many knows we're not better than anybody? Many times God will use people the most that are the most average. Or not the best looking, not the most talented, not the best speaker, not the best this, that, and the other. seems like God will many times use those type of people because they know that they're not. And they just depend on the Lord. Humility. So Lord, I thank you for this word tonight. And Lord, we want to be free from anything to do with Leviathan. We want to be free from any pride. And so Lord, as we close this out, I ask you to show us that you would anoint our eyes and help us to see what we could not see before. Push into us and begin to show us things. Do we care too much about what others think? Are we always caught up with outward appearance or material things where is their pride in our lives lord help us to see what we need to see and to deal with it really pray about it so lord we thank you for it now in jesus name go ahead and shut down recordings and i want i want you to push play on that ipod and i want us to really pray tonight for a few minutes about this i'm not talking about just yourself